Hello, it's Jason Hockamy, and welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. Every summer in Kansas City, 25 men have one simple mission, to win. Starting pitchers, corner power hitters, middle relievers, speedy gloves up the middle, closers, utility infielders, backup catchers, and they're each remembered here. From 1969 to last year, all Royals careers have been preserved with the most comprehensive collection of facts, memories, and stories in existence. Welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. And what's up, Royals fans? Welcome into another edition of Clubhouse Conversation the place where we catch up with all your favorite current and former Royals players. It's Davo, and today a Southpaw joins us on Clubhouse Conversation. Jason Hockamy, who pitched for the Royals from 1995 to 1997. Uh, at first, as a starter, came over from the Mets in a trade that also brought KC Allen McDill, went right into that rotation there uh, in 1995. Then, in 96, was shifted over to the Royals' bullpen and was the primary left-handed setup man for Jeff Montgomery. It was very good for the Royals out of that bullpen. An ERA of just over two out of the pen in 1996 for Jason Hockamy, who was back with the Royals in 97 and eventually finished up his career with the Cleveland Indians. Pitched in Japan for a while, pitched in Mexico. He's had quite uh, the career with quite the stories that I'm excited to hear here on Clubhouse Conversation for the next hour or so. We're glad you're along. And let's join him by phone up in Madison, Wisconsin. Jason Hockamy joins us. First of all, thank you for your time, man, and how's everything going up there? Oh, everything's good. You know, just uh, relaxing. Kids are on spring break, so, you know, just kind of hanging out with the kids. Now you're up in uh, Madison, Wisconsin these days, and you know a little rough recently. Your Wildcats, what is that? Two years in a row to the Badgers. Are you hanging in there, okay? Uh, I'm kind of struggling a little bit, but uh, you know, it is what it is, and you know, move on from that. And now uh, back to Arizona football. You know, that's what I'm looking for next is Arizona Wildcat football. Yeah, well, I know I know the Badgers fans can be rough, man, from firsthand experience, so hang in there. Uh, now, what else keeps you busy? Are you and your wife still running that children's boutique that you guys were doing? Yeah, we have, uh, we've expanded from the children's boutique to uh, now it's a boutique and uh, photography studio. Oh. So we do children's clothes, and now we do um, photo shoots. Um, we just had... Uh, this past weekend, I think we had 14 Easter photo shoots that we did, and so we had little baby chicks, and, you know, we get all the kids dressed up, and, you know, we have all of our own props and that kind of stuff, so that's uh, that's where the business is headed, I think, is towards more of the photography. Very cool. Now, and also, I wanted to ask you about the, uh, you know, the 2014 Royals postseason run. Did you get into that on TV at all? Yeah, I did. You know, there's a, you know, a lot of people, of course, know that I used to play for the Royals. So, you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, how I feel about the Royals. And, you know, it was great to see. You know, I wish I wish something like that would have happened when I was playing there. <laughs> yeah, don't we all, but, right? <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, while I was there, we had, uh, we were pretty scarce in the amount of fans and, and stuff that we had. But uh, it was good to see that. You know, they fans and people came out and, you know, supported them so well. Yeah, I wish you could have been here, man. It was unreal. It was like being at, like, a big-time college football game, the whole playoffs. It was amazing. Yeah, that would be awesome. Totally. All right, so let's go back, uh, you know, and, and, and start from the beginning for you, I guess, then. So growing up then, you grew up in Tucson, Arizona. You went to Rincon High School. You played baseball, basketball. You even ran some track. So what was your best sport growing up then, and then where did your love from baseball, you know, kind of start? Uh, well, baseball was always my, you know, it was always my thing. My um, grandfather played some minor league baseball. My uncle uh, played some minor league baseball. Um, you know, I grew up watching my dad play baseball when I was just a little kid. You know, he still played in, like, a men's league. And, uh, you know, that was just something that ran in the family. And, you know, ever since my brother picked up a ball, you know, I would go to their practice and hang out, even though I wasn't old enough to play yet. But, you know, it was always that was always my thing. You know, I played other sports, but it was always, you know, I can't wait for baseball to start. 
What'd you do in track? Did you like? Did you actually run, or did you throw discus or shot put, or what'd you do? No, I ran. Uh, I actually, we ran like the four by one hundred, but uh, <laughs> I don't think we ever won won a race. <laughs> well, we were we were not very good. I think it was just uh, you know they put a couple guys out there and um, we ran, but we weren't really very good. Well, at least you tried. A for effort. <laughs> yeah. So so after high school, then you enrolled then at Pima Community College right there in Tucson. You were a first team junior college All American as a sophomore. You had a two three ERA. You had 110 strikeouts in 103 innings there in 91. So then the Mets noticed. They take you in the 12th round of the 91 draft. Were the Mets kind of the team you expected to take you, and then was the 12th round kind of where you thought you might go? Um, I wasn't really sure about round-wise, but, you know, the Mets were the one team that, uh, you know, they came into Tucson. They, you know, came over to school and, you know, took me into the library, gave me like a kind of like a psychological test and, you know, had me, you know, actually do a test. I mean, I sat there in the library, and they gave me some paperwork and a bunch of questions and things like that, and I filled it all out. And, you know, that was the one team that I talked to the most. You know, I had, um, you know, I had talked to a few other teams that were asking if, you know, if I would sign, if I got drafted, and this and that. And, of course, I told everybody no because, you know, I wanted to make it look like I was going somewhere else and they better pick me early. But uh, I knew I was going to sign, you know. But, uh, you know, I was hoping it was going to be the Mets. You know, I just I felt comfortable with them after meeting the, the people that I talked to. And, you know, I kind of grew up liking the Mets when I was younger. And that was back, you know, and they had Gooden and Strawberry and, you know, Wally Backman and all those guys playing. And I just thought, man, that would be great to play, to play for that team. And, you know, that's, that's how it ended up. So were you committed to a D1 school at that point then, or were you just going to, you know, what, what were you going to do had you not signed? Well, I, I, I had a couple different um, opportunities. I've had an NAIA school, which was Oklahoma City University, where my brother went. And I had uh, numerous uh, Division One schools I could have gone to, but nobody was really willing, you know, a full scholarship for some reason. I don't know what the reason was, but, I mean, I had an opportunity to go anywhere if I wanted to pay part of my own way. And, you know, I kind of knew that I, I just wanted to play pro ball. I know there was a guy at my junior college that had gotten drafted out of high school that didn't sign and went to went to junior college and blew his elbow out and never you know never got to play again so i kind of had this you know feeling that if i got drafted i was going to sign no matter what because i wanted that i wanted that opportunity and i wasn't going to let it kind of slip away and and not be able to play if something were to ever happen to me now, what age, when you think back to like high school or whatever, how old were you when you realistically thought you could pitch in the major leagues? Was there a moment where you thought, hey, I might actually be able to make it? I mean, did you think that way in high school, or was it not until college? Um, well, I probably wouldn't have thought that in high school, except there was some like guy from the scouting bureau that gave my parents a business card when I was 15. This guy came and watched some tournament that I was playing in, and he gave my mom and dad a card from the Major League Baseball Scouting Bureau and said, you know, we'll we'll be watching or whatever. And so I guess after that, I kind of thought, well, maybe I have a shot. If there's a guy looking at me now when I'm, you know, sophomore in high school, maybe later on down the road I'll really have a chance. That's cool. Well, you, you end up signing with the Mets then. So you begin your professional career in the good old Appy League uh, for the Kingsport Mets that same summer. You had a 163, you had 48 Ks and 55 innings. You threw three complete games there with a shutout as well. So, I mean, that first summer away from home, because obviously you're way away from home, what do you remember about that first year the most, that first summer? Um, you know, it was, it was tough the beginning. You know, like you said, I'd never been away from home and. I've, you know, actually lived at home my whole time in, you know, junior college and everything. So this was like my first time being out on my own and, and just being away from, you know, my whole family.
family and brother and parents and so you know I got out there and you know but it was it was a team of um what they sent to the happy league was guys that were college guys so they didn't send you know a bunch of high school kids that had just gotten drafted we were all a couple years older so I think uh we kind of bonded quick and you know it was kind of easy once I met everybody and we hung out for about a week or whatever it was just like a bunch of old friends just hanging out and you know showing up to the field every day and playing our game and you know doing what we do yeah, well, that next year was 92. You were in Columbia and St. Lucie, 10 and 8, 2.26. Then in 93, you're between St. Lucie and Binghamton. You were 14 and 7 with the 314. So by then, you're kind of starting to become a big time prospect. You then kind of solidified that in 94 at AAA Norfolk. You were 8 and 6. You were third in the league with a 284, six in the league in strikeouts. So then the Mets call you to the big leagues on July 1st of 94 then. So uh, before we talk about that first game you pitched in, take us back to the moment you got that first call to the big leagues. Where were you at? Who told you? you you know what was that moment like um oh it was amazing i mean first off but we were in uh, charlotte um and you know i i think we might have heard that some things were going on in the big leagues but nobody knew what was what was actually happening you know something was going on but nobody knew and uh bobby valentine was our manager he uh called me in and you know, he said, so you've been doing pretty good. Do you think, you know, you think you could pitch in the big leagues sometime? And I was like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I do. And he said, well, good, because you're leaving tomorrow and you're going to New York. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. And he said, but here's the deal. He goes, you can't tell anybody. And I'm like, well, why not? And he says, well, they're going to make an announcement tomorrow that, you know, Dwight Gooden's going to be suspended for doing drugs, and you're going out to take his spot, but nobody can know. And so you can't tell anybody. You can't tell any of your teammates. You can't, you know, it can't be leaked out before it's made known. And so I asked permission if I could call my parents and at least tell them. And they gave me the okay, so I got to call my parents and, let them know, but I couldn't tell anybody else. I couldn't tell my roommate on the road trip. I couldn't say anything. It was just like the next day I had to get up, and the team left to go to the hotel, and I left and went to the airport. Or they left to go to the field, and I went to the airport and (laughs) flew to New York. I bet you didn't sleep much that night, right? No, no, (laughs) not at all. I mean, I was, you know, really nervous, you know, excited, the whole thing, you know, just um, you know, and I felt kind of bad too of not being able to say anything to any of the guys and not being able to say bye or, you know, anything like that. It was kind of just like, you know, not, not saying anything and, you know, they're all leaving and I'm just like, well, see you guys later. And <laughs> that was about it. Well, you get up there. Your first big league start then. You're, you're pitching at San Diego. It's July 2nd of 94. Six innings of two-run ball. Now, this was impressive. You had six strikeouts. But it's impressive because I believe you gave up two runs right away then in the, in the first inning and you settled down after that. But, I mean, that, that big league debut, when you think back to that day and that game, what, what do you remember most? Uh, well, I remember the first, first four batters in a row getting on base. So, I mean, I was like, oh, no. If this is what the big leagues is like, I probably won't be here very long. <laughs> The first batter I faced hit the ball off of the stripe going around the um, right field wall. It was about one inch from being a home run that ended up being a triple. And then I think I gave up, you know, a couple singles in a row. Tony Gwynn was in there. He got a hit. And Derek Bell got a hit. And so, you know, I was, you know, really nervous, and then, of course, giving up, you know, I think four hits in a row to start off my career and two runs, um, you know, I was like, maybe I don't belong here. But, you know, I settled down after that, and the rest of the game went, you know, perfectly fine, and, um, you know, it, it all ended up, you know, pretty good. 
We'll talk more about this later, but I know it was kind of a similar first start with the Royals, too. And after you got through that first inning, you were nails after that. <laughs> I guess the nerves, yeah. right? Well, yeah, I think so. Uh, so, a trivia question. I'm sure you'll get the answer to this, but who was your first big league strikeout? Do you remember? Ooh, my first big league strikeout. I want to say um, Melvin Nieves. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I've asked about like 15 former pitchers, and I think 14 of them have gotten that right. So that seems to be something you, you guys always remember, I guess. Um, yeah, I think uh, – I, I mean, I played against them, I think, a, a little bit in the minor leagues too. And so um, I think once I faced them in the big leagues and struck them out, I was like, oh, yeah, I think I've done that before. But Yeah, same, I, I can hang. Yeah. Well, the, the next start then, I, even more impressive. So your second big league outing, you're facing the Dodgers in L.A. on that West Coast road trip and a six-hit shutout. So that night, is that pretty, you know, pretty special? you remember much about that night? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was great. My parents were there, and um, you know, I always had a lot of lot of family and friends on the West Coast trip, and uh, you know, it was just nice to have my family there. There's some other. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you know who Dick Tomey is, but he's a he was an Arizona Wildcat football coach for 14 years, and. He's, uh, you know, he's still, I think now he's with uh, Southern Florida, but he was, uh, his son played on my junior college team, and just the nicest guy, greatest guy, he, you know, he came to L.A. and San Diego to watch me pitch in those games, and, you know, I was really grateful and, and, and fortunate that I had somebody like him that was actually, you know, cared about that kind of stuff, but... You know the game was awesome. There was, I didn't realize how many people were there until I think it was the seventh, eighth inning. They announced the attendance, and it was some like thirty-eight thousand people. And you know I hadn't ever pitched in front of a crowd like that. Yeah. You know the most I think opening day in Triple A there was maybe nine or ten thousand people, and um, my first start in San Diego we probably had like. Probably nine or ten thousand people. <laughs> well, overall, that '94 campaign, then you were good. You were four and three. You had a two six seven, and we we also got to give a plug in there for your hitting, though. I'm sure you bragged to your kids about this. Your only base hit in RBI was off Greg Maddox, right? Yeah, that's. I mean, I, my kids don't even have any clue of who he is, but <laughs> they will. Know, I, uh, you know, other people I run into, and uh, of course I have to bring it up. Of, you know, oh, I got one one major league hit and everybody always was like oh yeah who's that oh greg maddox and <laughs> oh well, well that's awesome you know that's great you know because he was i mean to me when i remember watching him on tv or whatever i mean he was just unbelievable and you know to be able to get a hit off of him and it was actually i hit the ball off of him it was a line drive <laughs> up the middle that hit off of his arm so it was a uh, it was a great feeling, you know. I loved uh, loved to be able to get a hit off of him. So it was legit, no broken bat, looper. It was a line drive, right? We had to get that out there. Yeah, it was uh, a screamer line drive. <laughs> I I could have heard him if he didn't get to <laughs> knock it down with his arm. <laughs> oh, I love it. So then ninety four, then you know the strikes looming, and so you get sent back down to finish that year. Did they send you down because they want you to keep pitching? Is that what that was? Uh, yeah, that's what they said. You know, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go back down. You know, I kind of felt like, uh, you know, being in the big leagues for that time, you know, they make you feel like one of the guys. And all of a sudden they're like, well, we're going to send you down to to let you pitch some more. And, you know, I told them I don't want to go down. I want to be like the rest of the guys. We're, you know, we're all going on strike together. It's you know, I'm part of the, you know, part of the family, but, you know, they didn't fall for that, so um, back to AAA I went and finished out the season, and, uh, but it was fine, you know, I went back down, I pitched, I pitched fine, I did, you know, perfectly fine. Well, then you come back, it had to have been kind of weird, because, you know, so, Take us back to the spring training in '95. I mean, the strike, you know, gets over. I mean, was that kind of odd? What was that experience like going through that? Um, yeah, it was. You know, I have never been 
through anything like that before and you know i'd always you know gotten ready to go to spring training and you know did all that i had to do to get ready but you know through all of our conversations on our conference calls and everything they're basically saying you know just kind of <laughs> take it easy you know we don't know when anything's going to end you know um we just have no clue you know we're just going to play it by ear and when when it does end we'll have enough time to get ready and you know whatever and the next thing i know i get a phone call and they're saying you know you got to be in florida in three days and i'm like oh my god i haven't even picked up a ball in like a month or done anything and you know so here i'm on my way to florida and i get there and i just really didn't feel like i had enough time to get ready and you know i i uh you know i just didn't (laughs) i wasn't ready i I did find my first start that year and then after that i just kind of um everything went downhill i just couldn't couldn't perform like i did the year previously yeah, so you had five starts here at the Mets. You go back to Norfolk. You do good down there, three nine two, and then it happens. The Royals traded uh, for you and Alan McDill on July twenty first of that year. So you know, take us back to that moment when you found out the news you were going to the Royals. How did they tell you? You know, what they tell you, and then what were your emotions and thoughts on coming over to KC? Um, you know, it was kind of weird because nobody from the Mets actually told me. I mean, told me first. My agent called and was told me, hey, you got traded to the Royals, and, you know, then maybe a while later when I got to the field or something, they called me in and said, hey, you got traded, and I was like, oh, yeah, I already knew that, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was excited because it was, uh, it wasn't just you're getting traded to the Royals, it was you're getting traded to the Royals and you're going to the big leagues to start, you know, they need a starter, and, you know, I was you know, out of my mind. I couldn't believe it, you know, that I was getting a chance to go back and start, and especially in the big leagues. And, you know, I couldn't wait to get there. Yeah. Did you know much about the Royals before you came over? Did you know anybody over here? Or, I mean, did you even know anything about them growing up or anything? Um, well, yeah, of course I knew about them growing up. I mean, seeing them, you know, I watched them play in the World Series and, I knew who Brett Saberhagen was, which um, he ended, that's who I lived with when I played for the Mets, was Brett Saberhagen. And oh, no so, way. <laughs> yeah, and so he told me, um, I had talked to him after the trade happened, and he said, uh, you know, I called those guys and let them know that you're coming and to take care of you. And they did. You know, I got there, and, you know, from the, second I walked in, you know, Jeff Montgomery and Gubiza and Wally Joyner, they all, you know, came up, hey, you know, we talked to Saves and, you know, he said that you're his boy and that we should take care of you. And um, from day one, you know, I got on the plane for the first flight and they were like, hey, come back to the back, you know, come sit with us. And, you know, I was just like one of the guys, like I'd been there forever. That's so, cool. You know, it was great. Great. You know, all the guys there were great. I I loved being there. I loved Kansas City. Uh, so your your debut, like we talked about earlier, kind of, it's July twenty sixth of ninety five. It's against the Yankees, and just like that first start in the big leagues, the first inning you get roughed up for a few runs, but then you settle down. You threw seven innings, a four run ball. Do you remember that first KC start pretty well? Yeah, I remember. I remember who started against me too. I think who was it? Mariano Rivera. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm pretty sure he started for the Yankees in that game. That's nuts. <laughs> well, it would have been early, so he probably did. Yeah. Uh, and then, so your best start then in 95, you uh, threw a complete game against the Brewers, and then you finished off 95 as the Royals pitcher of the month for August. You made one relief appearance uh, the last weekend of that season at Cleveland. So, I mean, you probably didn't know at that point you were going to end up going to the bullpen the next year. But, I mean, as far as that first year with the Royals goes, what else sticks out about that, you know, that first summer of 95? Um, you know, I just I just remember, you know, being there. We I think we went to uh, we went to a four-man rotation that later on in the year. 
<clears throat> I don't know who got hurt or what, but we went from having um, five guys to we had four, and we went for four for the last, I don't know, the last month and a half or two months. So it, uh, you know, it felt like I pitched a lot there because you didn't, you didn't have that extra day of rest. That's right. I forgot about that. Did you like that? I mean, were you okay with that? Yeah. I mean, I thought, I thought it worked fine. I mean, I kind of always felt like I had a kind of a rubber arm anyways, which was, the I think, the main reason why I ended up going into the bullpen the next year is because of that. But, you know, I, I really wasn't somebody that had, I never had any arm problems during my career, you know. And so I, I felt like I was okay throwing, you know, six, seven innings and taking a couple of days off and then coming right back out there and throwing again. So 96, I mean, you started off in the rotation there briefly, but like you said, it's the bullpen after that. And you were really good out there, too. You had a 2-4-7 ERA out of the bullpen in, uh, in 44 innings. I mean, was that tough at all for you at first, and were you cool with that at the time when they told you that? Um, yeah, I mean – we kind of knew in spring, in spring training, they said, you know, you guys are going to have to battle for the fifth spot in the rotation. It was me and um, Julio Valera. And they said, well, you guys are both be in the bullpen to start off the season. We don't need a fifth starter for the first, you know, two weeks or whatever. And um, whoever pitches better out of the bullpen, you know, we're going to make them the fifth starter. And, um, you know, I remember starting off the season that year out of the bullpen, and I pitched pretty well. I think I pitched like three innings in New York and did really well there, and I might have pitched in, you know, one or two other games before they made me the starter. Um, But then it just, I don't know what happened, but I just, I was awful starting. And, uh, you know, they made the switch, and they uh, they were going to send me down to AAA. And I think it was Guy Hansen, maybe, that said, uh, well, why don't you try him out in the bullpen? You know, he's got a rubber arm. He can bounce back quick. And so they, they said, all right, we'll give it a shot. And, you know, from then on, it was just only bullpen stuff. Yeah, and you, I mean, so that or you, I mean, you set up Jeff Montgomery. Really, you were kind of the eighth inning lefty, uh, seventh inning lefty that year. So you know, you mentioned Monty earlier. What was it like, uh, you know, picking his brain and being out there with him and, and getting to know him? Uh, he, he was a great guy. I mean, a great guy to learn from. Just his attitude and you know his calmness and everything. Um, you know, and just you know his physical stature. You just look at him and you see this guy. He's you know, not very tall, he's thin, and, you know, but he can go out there and do his job, and that kind of, you know, made me realize, you know, if this little guy can go out there and do it, you know, I'm a lot bigger than he is, of course I can go out there and do it, you know, he's not scared of anything, and, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with him, um, we kind of had a, a routine that we did every, you know, every game in Kansas City, you know, we'd get our stuff, we'd walk down to the bullpen, and we'd set our stuff down, and we'd go into the um, groundskeeper's office. And we'd, you know, we'd flip the game on the TV, and we'd sit there, and we'd watch the game from inside, and kind of kick back, and, you know, just hang out there, just he and I, and, you know, just sit there until maybe the fifth, sixth inning, we'd come out and, you know, start stretching and getting ready, and, um, but, uh, you know, he's just a great guy, great, great person to learn from. I bet you learned a lot from, you know, watching the hitters too, those first five, six innings, right? Talking about their tendencies and everything. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, to be able to sit there with somebody like that and, you know, talk about, oh man, you see how that guy looked on that pitch or, you know, he doesn't look like he can hit this and, you know, just going over that stuff or, you know, what, what, what were you going to do? Or what are you going to do with when you face him? And, you know, just learning that stuff about him and how he works hitters and, you know, all that stuff. It's just, you know, invaluable, something that you can't just pick up on your own. But somebody that's been around the game like that, you learn from them and it just makes you that much better. 
Now, how about some of the starting pitchers? You had some really good starting, you know, veteran starting pitchers in that team, like Apier, Belcher, Gubaza, Haney. Did you, you know, get close to any of those guys? Yeah, I mean, I hung out with Chris, you know, a lot. And um, Apier, he, he was just a little <clears throat> a little bit of a different guy. I yeah. mean, he kind of he kept to himself. I didn't really, you know, hang out with him too much. Um, but, you know, Gubaza, I've... I, you know, talked to him quite a bit. You know, like I said, he was one of the original guys that kind of took me in when I first got there. And, you know, one of Sabe's old buddies. So, um, <clears throat> and, you know, Belcher was, you know, he came over and he was a real nice guy too. You know, just a real nice guy, real professional guy. Yeah. You know? And that's, I mean, that's what you want out of your teammates or you know guys that are professional and aren't a bunch of clowns you know yeah he was as competitive as they came i remember that about him just a workhorse out there yeah he i mean he was uh he he wouldn't take any bull crap from anybody i'll tell you that much. do you remember the game i think it was joe brinkman do you remember the game where he almost got in a fight with the umpire and he got thrown out and he left the note like saying he would never apologize and left before the media do you remember that were you there I then? Don't, I don't remember that. Maybe you weren't there then. Maybe it was before that. I mean, it might have been before you came over. <laughs> it, was, it was classic, though, man. I, I think it was Brinkman. I can't remember who, which one it was, though. But one, one of those guys with a you know, stamp size strike zone. But <laughs> anyway, so I, I said that, not you. So those are my words. But anyway, so um, another guy I wanted to ask you about then from 96. Now, this guy was only you know with you for a couple weeks and actually tragically died in Tucson, Arizona during spring training. Do you remember much about, uh, about Kenny Robinson? not a whole lot i mean i know i remember him you know being there and but you know it was just a short you know short time but uh you know yeah i don't remember too much about him yeah i was i think it was only like 10 days he was there for but he made a few appearances um anyway so you know booney keeson hansen you, you like working with all those guys then yeah yeah keeson was i mean he's he's a character for sure you know he's he had plenty of stories to tell and, you know, but, and, you know, he could be a real hard ass, but he was, you know, great guy, you know, another one of those guys that, you know, you listen and learn from, you know, and Booney too, you know, I, I went through a rough, rough patch and my, when I first got there, after my first start, I kind of had a couple um, crummy ones in a row and he took me down and we sat down during batting practice for you know half an hour and just talked and you know he kind of told me what he expected and how he thought that I could get out of my funk that I was in and you know he basically told me to quit working you know trying to work the corners you know working in and out and he wanted me to work um, forwards and backwards he said, you know, work the bottom part of the strike zone and change speeds. He goes, I don't care if you throw it right down the middle, you know, change speeds. If you work the bottom half of the strike zone, you can throw up the pitches right down the middle. And I went out there and did it, and I, I think my next start was um, against the Angels, and I went out there and threw, I think, seven innings of just throwing the ball down the middle and just changing speeds and working the bottom part. I mean, every pitch I tried to hit the bottom part of the strike zone. And, I mean, it worked perfectly. And I don't know why I couldn't do it the rest of my career, but <laughs> it worked It worked for that one game. Well, <laughs> I guess he knew what he was talking about then. Yeah. Uh, so 1997, you come back to the Royals, you spend the month of uh, April in the bullpen, and then they kind of wave you and you get picked up by Cleveland. So, I mean, I'm obviously disappointing, but, you know, what else do you remember about that process? Was it, Were you pretty kind of heartbroken leaving KC, or what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I was. I mean, I, like I said, I really loved Kansas City. I mean, I loved being there. I loved, you know, where I lived. You know, I lived over in Overland Park, and, you know, I just – I. I loved everything about it. I loved the stadium. I, I just, uh, you know, I really enjoyed my time there. And, uh, you know, and they, you know, I started off that season. And I, you know, I knew I'd, I hadn't done what I was supposed to. You know, I hadn't lived up to the expectations of the year before. And, 
<laughs> but I just thought it was quick. You know, I thought it was too quick that they, you know, kind of pulled the trigger and, you know, just didn't let me, like, work through it or anything like that. And, you know, they could have just sent me down to AAA, which is what I expected when they called me in. You know, they called me in, you know, in Kansas City, and I, you know, I walked in there fully expecting them to say they were sending me to AAA, and they basically just said, we're not sending you to AAA, we're just going to put you on waivers, and if you clear, we're going to release you. I was like, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't even understand. And, uh, you know, and, you know, I never really understood why they did that, but, uh, you know, afterwards, I was glad that, you know, I was glad that Cleveland at least picked me up, you know, going to that team was a lot different. Yeah, well, talk about that. So you finished 97 there. You also came back in 98. You know, your favorite memories of, of pitching in Cleveland? Um, well, I, I tell you what, one of my best times ever in Cleveland was my first day there. And I, I get there from, you know, I'd, when they picked me up, they sent me to Buffalo, and I went to Buffalo, and I think I made seven starts or something there. And uh, I got called up to Cleveland, and we're playing against the Yankees. The game's like 13-8 to eight or something. We're winning ninth inning, and they call me in to pitch the ninth inning. And so, you know, I run out there, and I faced uh, – I think I struck out Jeter, and I struck out uh, Girardi, and I think maybe somebody got a hit, and then I got another out, and the place went absolutely crazy. And I'm used to playing in New York where we have 15,000 fans and Kansas City where we have 15,000 fans. And all of a sudden, there's 48,000 people screaming their heads off going crazy that we just beat the Yankees. And uh, I went in there and I called my dad after the game and I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever experienced is this many people screaming. Because, you know, I've thrown a shutout already in the big leagues, but it was in L.A. There was nobody cheering in that game. So here I come out here, and it's like 50,000 people going crazy. And, you know, the hair on my neck was standing up. It was, you know, incredible. And it was like that every game there. You know, we were sold out for the whole season. <laughs> Yeah, they did. They used to sell out like in a hurry. Those those were great teams back in. Yeah, I mean, even our American League championship ring, one side of it is um, Jacobs Field, and it says Full House um, <laughs> above it. That's cool. Well, who were your favorite teammates or your, you know, your best friends on those teams? Ooh, let's see. Uh, well, Joe Vidiello was always. I mean, he was my best friend in Kansas City. Um. We hung out a lot, you know, um, off the field. We were roommates on the road before they changed it, and people, everybody had their own room. Before that, we had roommates, and he was always my roommate. And we lived together in spring training and stuff. Um, when I got to Cleveland, um, I hung out with Brian Anderson, another lefty. Oh, yeah. You know, Future Royal, too. Age. Yeah, same age guy, and we got to be really good friends. Um, I think we, the the thing that happened with him was that I met him in Buffalo. So when I had gotten picked up off waivers, I went to Buffalo, and he was there. And so I kind of became really good friends with uh, him and uh, Damian Jackson. Um and when I was in New York, I, you know, like I said, I lived with Brett Saberhagen, so we, uh, you know, we hung out a lot, and you know, it was. Uh, <laughs> he was one of those guys that uh, he took me in, gave me the keys to his Porsche, his suburban, his house, and just said, you know, you don't have to ask me for anything. You know, you want to take the car and go wherever you want to go go ahead and do it. You don't have to ask me for anything. You know, everything that's mine is yours. Um, the only thing I ask that if you ever get a chance to do anything 
you know, for anybody else down the road, that you do it if you can. And so I've always, to the, from that day on, you know, I was always the guy that would come to spring training with, you know, 20 egg McMuffins or, you know, I'd, you know, go and show up to batting practice or whatever with, you know, some takeout food from somewhere or, you know, somebody needed to use my car, which Damian Jackson did for half of the season in Cleveland. I had two cars. He had one of them for half of the season. I let him use it because, you know, he didn't have a car. Hmm. Um, so that was, you know, that was one good thing that I learned from him and always, you know, I always tried to take care of anybody that needed anything for, you know, the rest of my career whenever I could. It's funny you mentioned, you know, all the, your best friends in baseball, Anderson and Saberhagen and Jackson and Vidal. They're all guys that played for the Royals. That's kind of a small world, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, now, you also mentioned that first game, uh, you know, striking out Jeter. So when I was researching this interview, and I, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this, I found out that you're one of what, I guess only, you faced him eight at-bats during the regular season, at least eight, and you're one of only seven guys in the history who never gave up a hit to Jeter. So is that something you knew before the New York guy called you for the, for the story about that, or were you kind of like, wow, really? Yeah, I did not know that <laughs> before the guy called me. You know, I, I knew I'd faced him, you know, a number of times, but I've never realized that he hadn't gotten a hit, you know, because there's so many guys that did get hits. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I didn't really realize it. And, you know, it was, you know, quite an honor, too, just the way his career ended up turning out and, you know, the, you know, the captain of the Yankees and, you know, the future Hall of Famer and everything that he's going to be. Just to know that you know, I faced him a number of times, and he never got a hit off me. Was you know, it was a pretty great feeling. Especially because he hit lefties really well too, so that makes it even more impressive. Yeah. Um. No. So after 1998 with Cleveland, you end up going to Japan. You signed with the, I believe it's Yakult Swallows, 99 and 2000. You know, why did you choose that, and what was that experience like? Um. You know, that whole the whole year in 1998, I was you know I was pitched in Buffalo. I ended up between the regular season and the playoffs and everything, I ended up winning 17 games. And the whole season long, my pitching coach, which is Buddy Black, um, he would come up to me and say, hey, what do you think about going to Japan? And I was like, "Ah, I don't really want to. And he'd let it go for a week or two, and then he'd come back and it's like, hey, those guys from Japan really want you to come, you know, and pitch over there. What do you think? And I'm like, well, you know, I grew up my whole life wanting to pitch in the big leagues. I don't, I didn't grow up wanting to go and pitch in Japan. And, you know, I'm trying to get back to the big leagues. That's where I want to be. And so I pitched the rest of the season, you know, in Buffalo. I get called up by, you know, the Indians and um, I'm there for the rest of the time. And um, I'm actually driving on my way home, and after the season's over, and my agent calls, and he says, you know, the Japanese team really wants you to go there, and, you know, what's it going to take? And so I thought about it, and I gave him a number, and um, I said, I won't go for less than this amount. And <laughs> before, he had already explained to me, too, that Cleveland, although I had you know, put up great numbers in AAA that I was going to go into spring training and probably get, you know, put on waivers again and without them really giving me a shot to start. So um, I gave him that number. I said, I won't go for less than this amount. And um, he called me back a few hours later and he said, it's a done deal. They said, they'll, you know, they'll pay you whatever you want. And so I thought, I'll, I'll go over there and give it a shot. And uh, I ended up loving it. I, I loved playing in Japan. You know, I lived in Tokyo. So, you know, there's, I think, a million Americans that live in Tokyo. So it wasn't, it wasn't too foreign that I couldn't get by or run into somebody that I could talk to or whatnot. And, um, you know, my wife was there. So, you know, it was... Uh, not 
not that hard. Um, I guess the, some people go over there and they have a little bit more of a hard time than others. And if you kind of embrace the culture and the way they do things, you can get along fine. But if you kind of go against everything that they do and, um, you know, don't uh, get along with the way that it goes, you have a really rough time. And I saw that when I was there. I saw one of my teammates that was an American guy that, you know, he didn't want to try any of the food. He didn't want to try any of the exercises. He just wanted to do the things like he was still in the States, and he had an awful time over there. Hmm. But uh, I tried to do whatever they did. I ate their food. I did all their drills, all their stuff, you know, did whatever I could to fit in. And, you know, the guys really took to me, and, you know, I ended up becoming really good friends with them. I've had, you know, Japanese teammates and coaches come to my house in Arizona and stay with me. Um, you know, it was just, uh, you know, I ended up loving it there and I loved playing there for two years. Who were some of the, uh, either former or future big leaguers you played with or against while you were over there? Um, well, I put, on my team, there was, uh, Kazuhisa Ishii <clears throat> that played, uh, he played with the Mets and I think the Dodgers, um, which he was, I mean, a complete stud over there. And I don't think he did all that great in the States, but over there he's like a superstar. Um, we had Shingo Takatsu, which he ended up closing for the White Sox for a year, I think. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, we had uh, Igarashi that came and pitched for the Mets, too. Um who else did we have? Um, shoot, no. No, I can't think of his name. He came over and he played, uh, he was a second baseman for the Tampa Bay. Oh, Iwamura. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so those guys all played on my team. That was Aki, right? Was that his name? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's right. He was a good little player for a while. Yeah. So, yeah, those guys all played on, on my team. Um, did you play against? I, did you pitch against Godzilla? Was he over there at that time? Oh yeah, Matt Suey. Yeah, that's right. I played against him. He played for the Giants. Um, and also, my first year there, um, Sasaki was the closer mm-hmm. for Yokohama Bay Stars. Went to the Mariners, right? It was an All Star, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's cool. There's been so many guys from over there. Um, so you came back in 2001. You spent the year at AAA Tucson with the Diamondbacks. You know, obviously not cool not being in the big leagues, but at least you were kind of at home. And then 2002, you're at AAA Memphis for St. Louis, 2003 Atlantic City in the Indy League, 2004 for Fresno. And you threw really well in Fresno there, actually. But, um, you know, a big league call-up never came during those years. I mean, were, were there some close calls or some of those years where you thought you were going up or were you just about went up? Um, I, thought, I thought I should have gone up. Yeah, but, uh, especially Fresno. And, yeah, I mean, I even had, you know, pitching coaches, you know, tell me that they told them up in the big leagues that they should get me up there. But I ran into the <laughs> ran into the numbers game towards the end of my career. You know, I was older, and um, I, I think they pretty much had the feeling that there was, you know, not anything that they could really see that would go well for them to take somebody else off the roster to put an older guy on there yeah. just to use them for a little while. <clears throat> but, you know, I, I think my last, the year that I pitched in Memphis and the year that I pitched in Fresno, that um, for sure I should have I been in the big leagues both of those years, the way that I pitched. And... Um, you know, I just, like I said, I think I just ran into a numbers thing there. And, you know, it's kind of depressing when the pitching coaches, you know, come up to you and tell you that they called, you know, wondering who who the best arm was. And they told them that it was me, but they still went with somebody else, you know, because yeah. they were on the roster or whatever. 
Yeah. So, There's politics and baseball, I guess, like every yeah. every career, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was you know it was kind of something that you don't really see too much, or you're not a part of it. And then when it happens to you, you're like, man, that really sucks. <laughs> you know, I didn't really understand that it really does work that way. That sometimes it doesn't matter how great you're doing if somebody else is, you know, on the roster, but they're not doing that great. They're going to get called up before you just because they're on the roster. Yeah. Yeah, that stunk. Well, so then, same question about the Mexican League. So you go over in 2005 and pitch over there. I mean, did you enjoy that? And what was the culture and food and all that good stuff like? Uh, that I didn't enjoy. So really? Much. Really? Uh, well, I guess, it, I guess it could be two, two separate parts. The first part of the year, I was in um, Monclova, which is like a steel mining town really small, nothing to do, you know, you walk to the field and back, it's like right down the street, you're staying in a crummy hotel, and, you know, there's absolutely nothing to do, it's like, you get up, you eat breakfast at the hotel, you sit in your hotel room, you walk over to the field, the game gets over, you grab a Sonoran hot dog, and walk back to the hotel and you don't do anything because there's nothing to do there <laughs> and so i hated it i mean it was terrible and at the all-star break um they told me that i was going to get traded to a different team i flew home to back to arizona and i told them i called them up and said i'm not coming back it's you know i went from being in monclova which is like two hours from the border of Texas where I felt was close enough that if I had to make a run for it, I could actually <laughs> maybe make it there. And I got traded to Puebla, which was two hours south of Mexico City, which I was like way down at the bottom of Mexico. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, I do not want to go there. But when I got there, the city was like a big city, you know, big shopping mall. They got TGI Fridays and Krispy Kreme and <laughs> everything there. And I stayed in a really nice hotel with, a, you know, like a lagoon-style swimming pool and all this stuff. And so I ended up loving that part of it. I mean, I loved the second half of the season there. The first <laughs> half was terrible. Yeah, the first half sounds, you know, like the Appy League or something. <laughs> or worse, <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> Yeah, it was bad. I mean, you talk about not ever doing anything but baseball. Yeah. That's basically all you do. But uh, <laughs> the second, you know, the second city living in Pueblo was, you know, it was great there. You know, you could go out to eat. You could, you know, take a cab over to the mall and, you know, walk around and actually see stuff. That's cool. Well, now, also, I think I don't know what part of the year that was. I guess it was probably after that. You pitched, what, two games in the Baseball World Cup? What was that like? Um, that was great, too. I mean, I had tons of fun doing that, you know. Anytime you get to represent the United States doing anything um, is great. And to be able to put on the, you know, USA uniform and um, go over there and represent your country was you know, it was just awesome. And, you know, it was cool because I go over there and, you know, I know some of the guys that are on the, like, um, team from Mexico, and I know some guys that are on the team from Puerto Rico, and I know some guys that are playing for Canada, and Australia is like, you know, kind of a reunion of all these guys that you've, you know, played against or whatever during these years. And so um, it was fun, you know, being over there in Amsterdam and <laughs> Rotterdam and just seeing the sights and all that. And, um, you know, luckily my wife got to come over there too. And, you know, like a, you know, mini vacation, but with, you know, baseball and stuff mixed in. And, you know, the big, I think the biggest part about it, like I said, was being, you know, wearing that red, white, and blue is like, you know, nothing you can really imagine. It's, it's so much, it means so much more than just putting on a uniform um, when it's the, you know, when it's the 
actual United States uniform. Totally. And then, so after that, you're, you're, you're 34 years old at this point, so you kind of, I guess, temporarily hung them up after that year, and then 2009 rolled around, and you, I mean, you talked about earlier about giving back to the game, so I know that was you know, kind of your, your way of giving back and having fun, not really you know, going back with the, with the Tucson there. Um, you know, what was that final summer in 09 like? Um, you know, the thing about that was I, I went in there and interviewed to be the manager of that team. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't know that. This is what, what I wanted. You know, I, I've set up an interview and I went and interviewed with the owner of the team and the general manager. And, you know, I basically told him, I said, look, I've been through this for a long time. I mean, I've seen everything. I've pretty much think that I know everything about baseball. And although I've never managed the game before, I think I could do it. I said, I, I don't see why I couldn't. I, I know everything there is to know about baseball. And so I went through my interview and whatever, and they called me back and, you know, said, well, we just want to let you know we're going to hire somebody else. And, um, you know, it's, name's Tim Johnson and this and that and so they said uh, do you think you still could pitch because if if you think you could still pitch we want you to be a part of this team doing something you know so what you're not the manager and you know he's going to pick his own pitching coach um, you know we want you to be a part of this team and so do you think you can still pitch and I said well yeah I'm sure I could you know, I haven't done it in a few years but I don't see why not I was never injured so I went out there and you know I got ready and you know went out there and pitched and you know I had a great time I loved being out there pitching again and um, you know I loved the competitiveness of it and you know and a lot of those, you know, independent league guys are really competitive. You know, they're trying to get to, you know, they're trying to get to minor league baseball. Yeah. You know, they're in the independent league. They're trying to just get to minor league baseball. You know, when you're in the minor leagues, you're trying to get to the big leagues. These guys are just trying to get to the minor leagues. Was that like a high A or double A kind of equivalent to? Yeah, I'd say probably double A around there. You know, there's some good players out there. There's, you know, a lot of former, you know, AAA big league guys that are that were playing there. You know, we had Junior Spivey was playing on our team, huh. and you know, there's there's a few guys here and there that are, you know, that that were big league players that, you know, played for a little while or whatever. So. You sprinkle those guys in with the, you know, some other, you know, double A, triple A guys. You end up, you know, ending up with a about a double A, probably in between double A and triple A caliber. Okay. Now, as far as hanging it up, both that year and then back in what I guess the end of '05, was that a tough decision both times? And I mean, did you ever feel burned out or like feel angry at the game, or did you pretty much just know it was time and it was all good? No, I, I mean. Uh, I knew it was time. I mean, I just, I think after the after the last year in Fresno, I kind of knew that my time of pitching well enough to get called up was pretty much gone. After I had learned about them, you know, really giving me the vote of confidence with the big league team and saying this is your guy, you should take him, and not not getting that call. I kind of felt like, you know what, if it's not going to happen now, it's probably not going to. And, you know, if I can't find another job, which I still tried to find another job, you know, the next year or whatever, and talk to everybody I could about, you know, coming to spring training and and didn't get an invite or didn't get signed with anybody, I kind of was like, you know what, I, you know, I tried. Nobody, you know, nobody's going to take a chance on me now. I'm getting... You know, I'm getting to be too old. So, you know, if, if that's the way it's going to come down to me ending my career, then, you know, so be it. And, you know, I've never felt bad about it. You know, I just kind of knew that it it, uh, it was over. You know, my age had kind of...
kind of tightened up to me, and, you know, I was fine with that, you know. I had a good career. I, you know, I'd spent a lot of years playing, and, you know, I had a great time, and, you know, it was it was good enough for me, and, you know, ready to do other things and have a family and not have to travel, you know, all that, so... And that's what I've been doing since. So, I mean, you mentioned uh, you went back to Tucson, you know, as a possible manager in 09. Have you, I mean, maybe when the kids get older, have you ever thought about getting back into pro baseball coaching, or is the travel kind of just, you know, are you kind of just past those days? Uh, you know, I don't know if I really want to travel <clears throat> that much, you know. My, my oldest son now is becoming, you know, quite the baseball talent and, you know, I don't want to really miss a whole lot of what he's going to be starting to do now. You know, he was an incredible little league player. He just got done playing on the, you know, little league size field, and he's moving up to the big field. And, you know, he was unbelievable. And, huh. you know, he's a big kid. He's, you know, he's five foot eleven, weighs 180 pounds, and he's, 13 years old. <laughs> oh, my God. Is he a pitcher? He's a pitcher. He plays first base. He throws right-handed and he hits left-handed. And let me tell you, he hits the ball probably farther than any 13, 12, 13-year-old you've seen. I mean, this kid, he was hitting balls on the Little League field that were going, you know, 100, 150 feet past the fence. Oh, my gosh. Maybe we... Uh... Need to call up Dayton Moore and Art Stewart and send them all up there. <laughs> keep, keep them on the radar, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's uh, really good. He plays on a couple different teams. You know, he plays on his regular little league team and he plays on a traveling team, and so that keeps me busy. And then my two little sons, um, I have a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old, are starting to play now as well. So. I'm pretty busy. I think uh, during the fall we had six weeks of baseball and we had 36 games in six weeks. Oh my gosh! So, well, uh, we're gonna probably have even more during the summer because my son will be playing on a travel team and his regular little league team, so he'll be doing those on the weekends and during the week, and then I'll have the other two guys will be playing during the week. And then I'll have uh, my daughter have dancing on Saturday, so I'll be doing that too. Good grief! Yeah, talk about talk about busy. Well, I guess uh, last few questions for you in closing, and thanks for all your time. The last few you're you know, circling back to Kansas City. So, I mean, you mentioned living in Overland Park. You know, any, anything else stick out about the city itself, where you like to hang out, your favorite barbecue, anything else you know stick out about KC? Um, you know, I I like to go down to the plaza and hang out. Um, but you know what? I didn't. I didn't really do a whole lot. Um, the, you know, the year that I was there, like the '95 and '96, I kind of I was single. I had a dog, and it was kind of like she was kind of like my wife. You know, I would go to the field, and then when the game was over, I'd hurry up and get home because I knew that you know she was ready to go outside or. <laughs> You know, and I kind of didn't really do a whole lot. And then my, you know, the third year there was the year that I didn't have her, and I kind of just would go down to the plaza and hang out all the time. But, um, you know, my first two years, I kind of just was real low-key. And, you know, I uh, lived next door to Chris Haney, and, you know, his wife would come over and take my dog out and kind of take care of her when I would go to the field and, um, you know. But, yeah, I, was, I didn't really do a whole lot or, you know, anything like that. Didn't really hang out too much. I just kind of went to the field and came home, and that was about it. How long has it been since you've been back here? Was it when you pitched with Cleveland, or have you been back since then? Um, no, I haven't been back there. I've driven through there a couple times but uh um haven't stopped i've been meaning to go you know they the royals send me things all the time about you know come to certain events and things and um i actually was going to go to jeff montgomery's 
um, golf tournament, and um, I think we had an illness or something. Somebody got sick and I wasn't able to go, but, you know, I was all signed up and ready to go, and um, my wife and I were going to head there for the weekend or whatever, and we just ended up not being able to go. But uh, I want to make it down there. I mean, I want to go. I I actually want to take the kids, you know, over there and show them the stadium and all that stuff. Yeah. Did you ever take them to see New York and all that stuff or any of the other ones? Cleveland or anything? They haven't haven't seen any of them. Huh. Well, you know, they've been to Brewers games and we've been to, um, you know, we've been to some Diamondback games back in Arizona. I've taken taken them to the Dodgers, you know, stadium when we were um, in L.A. But, uh, no, we haven't been back to Kansas City or Cleveland or to New York. Well, one day but, soon. You can, maybe when they get a little bit older. Yeah, well, I think um, Kansas City might be, you know, on our radar this summer sometime. Yeah, pretty not not too far from there. Was it seven eight hour drive, six hours? Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't be too bad, you know. And I'm sure there there'll be some event or something that we can you know that we can go to that we'll be able to take the kids and you know stay there for a couple of days. And you know, I'd like to show them you know the stadium and maybe take them in the clubhouse or whatever and let them let them see what everything's about. Yeah, hopefully maybe 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 you can come back for a playoff game. That'd be nice. Deep into yeah, October this year, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Well, I guess last thing for you is in summary, what would you like to say uh, to Royals fans listening right now? Well, I'd like to say you know thanks for all your support. You know, of course, when I was playing, I really loved you know like I said, I loved being in Kansas City. I loved you know the fans that we did have. You know, I love their support, and, you know, keep on supporting the Royals, you know. They're on their way up, you know, they're doing well, and, you know, everything always is better when you have fans behind you. Absolutely. They're coming out in droves now, man, so it's an exciting time. Well, hopefully we'll uh, we'll see you back here this summer and, you know, stay in touch and all that good stuff, and uh, and good luck to all your kids and all their events, and, and good luck hanging in there with all those Badgers fans around. <laughs> yeah, good God. All right. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right, man. Take care. Okay.